Hey, Barry. Hey, Al. Want to hear a D&D joke? Not particularly, but go ahead. Thacko. It's time for Compelled Duel. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Compelled Duel. I'm Al. And I'm Barry. And we are a single-player, co-DM'd, 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. Last time on Compelled Duel, Ferora Valsine had just the roughest day. She lost her best friend slash friends with benefits, question mark. She learned a lot of things about her birth mother and her life that she previously did not know. And she, perhaps against her will, made a new friend, a young druid named Verity from the enclave of worshippers of an ancient goddess known only as the Stormbringer that make their home in a ruined, silent city in the south of Australia. And the time before that, oh boy. Lara Valsine woke up having been taken captive to the city of Estremith in the sovereign principalities of Tordun. His life was kind of threatened, just like a bit. Um, and also he had to break up with his girlfriend. So that sucks. It sucks just so bad. What's happening now? So we pick back up, I would say about two weeks after that whole thing. Zed Stonebloom, after that whole event, the morning after, said that he thought it would be best if your ragtag little crew uh, took refuge with his mother, who resides under the protection of the Order of the Golden Tusk, which is a monk order that is located in the mountain range to the west of the Sovereign Principalities of Fardoon. It takes a little while to get there. You are hiking the entire way. (laughs) Two weeks pass. You are cresting the ridge of a mountain when Zed just kind of stops because I think he's at the front of the pack. So he just stops and he like crosses his arms over his chest. Well, we're here. Leo, teeth chattering, says, How far are we from the nearest blanket? (laughs) (laughs) Zed claps you on the back as you draw even with him and says, uh, 15 minutes, give or take. And you see over this ridge a bunch of little houses that all were visibly like built in different eras. There's a big stone square where you can see where it has been expanded, like where the stone changes. There's a big public building that has pretty much an open front. You see a bunch of people milling around in there. Uh, a bunch of people practicing, like, the same martial arts forms that Zed uses when he's fighting. Zed heaves a big sigh and just starts walking down a path on this ridge into this big town. Leo's just gonna mutely follow him for a lot of reasons. He is not feeling up to par to question anything. Mia and Ravain are still with us, right? Yep. Okay, yeah, I'm just gonna follow him. Uh, I don't think Mia or Ravain is really going to say much because they have also been hiking for the past two weeks. Mia looks fine. Ravain is not having a good time. (laughs) 
Zed leads you down into this big square. Roll perception. That's a 17. Uh, Zed told you that the order was largely orcish, but not exclusively. You see that reflected. There are a lot of people that are either entirely or partially of orcish descent, like visibly. And you notice that pretty much everybody you run into does a double take when they see Zed. Can I do an insight check on Zed to see how he's doing? Go ahead. That will be a 23. You watch Zed notice all the looks that he's getting, and he, like, rolls his neck and rolls his shoulders back. He looks visibly uncomfortable. You watch him, like, reach up to scratch the back of his neck, cross his arms over his chest, and, like, scratch at the inside of his elbow and shit. He is visibly nervous. You see a little kid, maybe, like, 14, yell, Zed, welcome back! And he goes, ah, yeah, mm mm-hmm, ducks his head and keeps walking. I'll roll another insight check if I have to, but what I know about Zed's history is that he has told me that he used to be a part of this order, they didn't like his extracurricular activities, and he can't name drop too often, or else things will go bad. Can I roll something to see what I can put together about that? Or maybe we could use my passive insight? I mean, my passive insight is a 17. Yeah, I think just passive insight, like as you're watching, you put together Zed is at least to his own mind not supposed to be here. But you don't know if that's just because he hasn't been back in a while. But he looks like he doesn't feel like he belongs here right now. I note that and just keep following him. I think actually Ravain is going to go, uh, was this a bad idea? Ravain, all due respect, this was the only idea that didn't end up with us all scavenging for acorns in the woods until we got hunted down and killed. So I don't know how bad we can really call it. He purses his lips into a fine line and goes, fair enough, I guess. And Zed puts a hand up at both of you and goes, look, it's fine. We're not going to get in deep trouble, I don't think. Zed, honey, define deep, because my definition of deep trouble has changed dramatically over the past month. Look, the order takes in asylum seekers, so the three of you are fine. He leads you down a little stone path to a a very nice little house. It's very small, but it's very cozy looking. There's a vegetable garden out front, and you see a woman fussing around with it, pulling weeds. Not super tall, but like willowy, average height. Not as distinctly of orcish heritage as Zed is. You know Zed to be a half-orc, but she has like a bit of a point to her ears. She has dark skin with a green undertone big black and gold eyes like Zed does, and the tiniest little bits of tusks coming out over her top lip. Long hair pulled back in pretty thick locks in a ponytail. She's just fussing around pulling weeds, and she straightens up to, like, crack her back, and you watch her notice that Zed is there. She drops the basket that she has in her hands, and then she says, Zed! And then she just grabs him. She just hugs him, like bear hug. Zed like hesitantly hugs her back, pats her back gingerly. (laughs) And into her shoulder says, Camilla, it's so great to see you. They hug for a second and then Zed gingerly backs up and then half turns to look at you and Ravain and Mia and says, "Uh, this is Camilla. 
Um, she's my mother's. And then he hesitates. And then Camila says, wife, actually. And Zed says, oh, shit, you guys got married. <laughs> and Camila says, yeah, that's what happens when you don't write for four years. Zed, stuff changes. Leo's eyes go a little bit wide and he just looks down at the ground. He's not saying anything. Zed just like reaches back again and like rubs the back of his neck. And then he says, yeah, got it. Uh, this is, and then he points at you and says, uh, Leo, Ravane, Mia. Uh, they're friends of mine. We didn't have anywhere else to go. I think just out of courtesy and practice, Leo's going to step forward and do a very respectful bow and say, Laryl Valsine, Grand Duke of Australia, very pleased to meet you. Yeah, I think she like bobs a little bow to you also. And she says, Camila Ibarra, it's very nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, any friend of Zed's, I suppose. Roll insight. Twelve. <laughs> With a twelve, um... She shoots Zed kind of a look as she says that, but you can't interpret the look. She's going to pat Zed on the shoulder and say, uh, your mom's inside. And Zed slumps <laughs> a little bit and says, yeah, I got to go in there, huh? She like raises her eyebrows and nods and says, I would recommend it. Yeah, I would recommend going inside now. If Zed goes in, I suppose that I follow him. I don't know what Ravain and Mia are doing. Ravain is actually going to raise a hand and go, I don't think I need to be involved in this. <laughs> Can I help you with your garden? And Camila says, sure, yeah, that sounds great. And Mia, without saying anything to anybody, just sits down on the road. Well, I mean, apparently Zed needs some fucking emotional support for whatever the hell's about to happen, so I go with him. Yeah, Zed walks into the house, and you follow. The second you walk in, you smell rich, meaty, spicy smells. Something is cooking in, like, the back of this house. Zed immediately kicks off his shoes. <laughs> Just first step in the door, immediately kicks them off. And then looks at you pointedly and says, she's off now. Leo frowns but toes his six-inch stilettos that he's been hiking in for two weeks off. And kind of sighs in relief and goes, oh, okay, that's nice, actually. And as you're doing that, someone comes out from this back room. You get a good look at her before anything happens. Woman of orcish descent, probably like a half-orc, you think. Looks a lot like Zed. Zed has kind of a rounder face. Like, she has a very square jaw. She has a nose that has visibly been broken at least three times. But otherwise, she looks very much like Zed. They have very similar features. Like, through the cheekbones and the forehead, same face, same, like, golden black monolid eyes, same straight black hair, but hers is cut very short. She is, I would say, about 50, you think? Just wearing very plain monk's garb. There is a moment where she just, like, walks out, and then she stops. And just very calmly, she says, Zed. And Zed immediately tenses up. <laughs> he starts to say, I know, I know. And then she is charging across the room. Uh, you don't understand what she's yelling. She's yelling in Orcish. <laughs> I'd like to cast tongues. I have tongues prepared, which means that like 
any creature that I touch, which that can be myself, can understand and communicate in any language that they need to. I'd like to do that as subtly as possible. Zed still just has an arm up. He goes, man, wait. And you immediately understand what this woman is saying. Just very loudly. (laughs) She is yelling, you don't write for four years, young man. (laughs) And you come into my house unannounced. (laughs) And Zed just replies in Orcish. I know, I know. Listen, listen. And then she is yelling back. You didn't have an address. I had no way of contacting you. Leo just has a fist up to his mouth, like, ooh, watching all of this go down. (laughs) In just frantic orcish that is going, okay, listen, listen, a lot happened. I forget to write, okay? I just forget. It happens. You know it happens. And his mother yells back, four years, Zed. Leo's eyes are just getting progressively bigger and bigger throughout this exchange. Yeah, Zed, out of the corner of his eyes, sees you, and just, like, with the demeanor of someone reaching for a lifeline, gestures at you, and says, Look, my friend and I, were in a tough spot, and we just need somewhere to stay for a little bit. And then Zed's mom turns and looks you in the eyes. Oh! Oh, so your friend is in some trouble. The young man has baggage, does he, Zed? Where are we going to store his baggage? Is it going in your room? I take a step forward and just nod in her direction. Hi, I'm so sorry for the intrusion. I wasn't aware, and I look over at Zed, that we were rolling in unannounced and possibly unwanted. My name is Lairel Valsine. I'm the Grand Duke of Australia, and I so appreciate your hospitality. Her body language shifts in a way that you recognize as, like, Zed when he's trying to be professional. She, like, straightens her shoulders and, like, cracks her neck. And then, very calmly, says, I apologize for my rudeness. And then she, like, side-eyes Zed. And then she sticks out a hand. Leo frowns down at the hand and kind of tilts his head to the side because Australians don't shake hands unless they're making a deal. Zed just puts his head in his hands, <laughs> and then very quietly says, Leo, this is my mother, Lynn Stonebloom. Um, I hate this. She says, do you want to act like someone who was raised with manners for a minute, or do you want to keep making me look like a bad mother in my own home? And Zed says, sorry, sorry. I also, um, really don't like the idea of myself coming across as rude, um, Do you have an apothecary here at the Order? (laughs) An apothecary, a pharmacy, a healer, uh, anywhere, um, (sighs) Leo flinches. He's like dirty as shit from hiking through the mountains for two weeks in his, I'm sure now ripped, formal robes and worn down high heels. Uh, Um... We have been on the road for a while, and our departure was not expected, and, um, I have been without a certain medication that I really need to function normally for about, mm, two and a half weeks now, and I feel like dog shit right now. Yeah, she looks you up and down. She says, ah, mm-hmm, yeah, got it. And then she turns to Zed, and she says, do you want to take your friend to the apothecary that Camila and I usually go to, or 
do you want to stay here and continue this discussion? Zed says, I got it. I got it. I'm going. Um, And then his mom says, good, good. I'll just get your room ready, which I could have done if you had, you know, sent me a letter that you were coming to visit. Zed. And Zed says, I know, I know, I know. Leo is just looking frantically back and forth between the two of them, like, what the fuck have I gotten myself into? But then, yeah, I'm walking back outside. He leads you outside. And then he, like, grabs Ravane by the shoulder and says, okay, you two. Pharmacy time, let's go. Oh, no, 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 no. What the hell was that? I mean, please do continue taking us to the apothecary because I am breaking out in a way that I haven't since I was 80 and have been cramping for the last three days. So super need to go. But also, what the fuck was that? Ravane like quietly says, yeah, I need to go to I have like a layer of oil on my skin <laughs> that is very unpleasant. And then Zed again just puts his head in his hands. And Camilla very quietly says, so I take it she wasn't happy. Zed just says, understatement, understatement of the decade. And then Camilla just nods and goes, I'll go inside and uh, talk to her. And Zed just says, thank you. Thanks. Yep. And Camilla goes inside and then he just heaves a big sigh. (laughs) So the short version is uh, some stuff happened a few years ago for me and I haven't been home since. And I just, I just forget to write, okay? (laughs) I have ADHD. I do my best. I'd like to roll insight on him. Like, as to, is he limiting this because he doesn't want to talk to me about it? Or because he doesn't want to talk about it in front of Ravane? Okay, yeah. Roll insight. That is a 21. He is mostly looking at you as he's saying this and, like, grimacing. You get the impression that he would be open to talking to you about it. He doesn't want to talk about it in front of Ravane and Mia. And he doesn't want to talk about it in the open where strangers can hear. Okay, I'm filing that away for later reference and then just following him to the apothecary, apparently. You go to the apothecary, you get your meds. (laughs) Yeah, Leo pops the top off the potion bottle and just like (laughs) slugs probably a little bit more than he should back and goes, you know how I cried over a squirrel yesterday? That says, yeah, I noticed that. This is what I need to not have to worry about that. Ravane from beside you is like looking at the potion bottle that he has in his hand and going, I don't know how the dosage matches. I mean, I do two capfuls every night. You know what? Fuck it. Pop the top off. Glug glug. Did you also cry over a squirrel? I haven't cried yet, but I just feel so bloated. Leo just puts his hand up for a high five. (laughs) (laughs) Ravane begrudgingly high fives you. Zed still just head in his hands goes, okay. Yeah, we should. (sighs) Time to face the music, I guess, guys. Is there anywhere, um, baths? Like, could I take a bath? I'm so dirty. Uh, yeah, we got hot springs. That would be, yeah, that would be great. That would take some time (laughs) that we would not be there at the house. Okay, yeah, it seemed like you and your mom had some things to work out, so why don't we just go handle that first, and I can be a little stinky while that goes down, and then I'll just go do my own thing later. How how does that sound? It's fine. You know what? All three of you go. I will go finish that conversation with my mom. 
just based on my earlier insight check, I'm kind of going to narrow my eyes at him. You sure you want to do that without backup? It seemed like it was a little, uh, fraught. Zed, like, reaches back to scratch the back of his neck, and he says, She loves me a lot, and I have a bad habit of making that hard for people. So. Okay, bath it is. Where do I go? Yeah, and he'll give you directions to, like, a hot spring. You and Mia and Ruvain all kind of, like, shuffle off. I am just taking the most luxurious bath I possibly can and washing my hair, like, four times. You and Ruvain and Mia all have very nice baths. Uh, do you want to do anything, or do you want to head back to the house? Um, just while we're at the hot spring, I'd like to have a conversation with Mia. Oh, great. Yeah, just very calmly, while they're all, I guess, sitting there, getting clean after two weeks of hiking up a mountain, Leo says, So, um, for somebody who, by all intents and purposes, appears to have been sent by Kimrol, you've really been in the mud and the shit these last couple weeks, huh? Mia gives you just a slow, sideways smile. Darling. This is not the worst position that I have been in, in service to him. I would like to roll insight on them. I want to make it very clear that even after two weeks of hiking up a mountain together, Leo does not trust them still. And that's fair. Roll insight. That's a dirty 20. Mia looks totally relaxed. Just not even really caring about this conversation. I think as they're talking, they're like reaching back and washing their hair. I'm also trying to cross-reference all of their, like, mannerisms, behaviors, things they do with things that will be typically Astrarian. Just mannerisms-wise, in your experience, Astrarians tend to be a little more buttoned up and, like, careful. Mia is, body language-wise, very loose, like, leaning back in this hot spring, kind of, like, running their hands over the rocks, touching a lot of things in a way that is not typical, you think? They seem like they are someone that is used to being in a position of authority. That's about all you get, though. Cool, that makes me trust them even less. <laughs> They're, like, reaching back to wash their hair, and they go, Darling, listen, I do what is needed of me, where I am sent, and then I move on to the next thing. So this is all very, uh, fun and everything, but... I'm not particularly attached. I don't particularly care about your opinion or really realistically your life, if we're being honest. We both know whose approval I am looking for here. And in a language you recognize the Sturian priest's tongue, they say, and until he asks me to go somewhere else, you ain't getting rid of me. Good to know where we stand. Isn't it just? I'm a little bit more worried about Zed's safety than my own right now. I feel like we should probably go check on him. He might be dead. That'd be a shame, wouldn't it? I saw you flirting with him, by the way. Darling, I gotta test the waters at least once. The waters aren't safe, there are sharks. Now, now. No need to get catty. And then they climb out of the hot spring. 
Ravane, just sitting on the side, goes, Huh. Mia's gone, right? Like, they've gotten up and walked away? Yeah. I turn back to Ravane and say, Zed's a grown man. He can do what he wants. I fully respect that. I don't trust them, and I don't think you should either. Ravane kind of frowns very slowly, (laughs) like he's picking his words carefully. He says, after the month that I've had, I don't really think I should take advice on who to trust from you. Which I'm not saying to be mean. (laughs) Just an observation. (laughs) I'm gonna go. You know, the horrible thing is that you're right. (laughs) And then Leo gets up and gets out of the hot spring and goes back to Zed's mom's house. You get back to the house. Things are calm. Roll insight. 24. You walk in. Zed and the woman who identified herself as Camila are setting a table. And Zed's mom is with, like, restrained annoyance, ladling soup into bowls. She looks very annoyed, but calm, like in a calm way. And Zed's shoulders are pretty tense. It seems like they had a very difficult conversation that maybe wasn't resolved the way anyone wanted it to be, but they don't know what else to say about it. (laughs) Camilla is going to say, Okay, hi everybody, let's sit down, let's eat, everybody looks hungry. (laughs) She looks almost manic, like she's grinning super wide. I haven't eaten anything that wasn't squirrel. That was why I cried over the squirrel yesterday, by the way, said. Or like... "Mm." salvaged mushrooms for the past two weeks. Soup sounds amazing. Thank you so much, Miss Camila. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, uh, Lynn made it, and then <laughs> Lynn just, like, ladles soup into a bowl and says, everybody sit down. I do so. Zed is, like, scarfing his food, trying to get done with this as quick as possible. Finishes in record time, puts the bowl down, and says, So, Leo, let's go to my room and, uh, let's talk. We should talk. We should talk in a room that is not this one. I'd like to roll insight on that. Go ahead. Seventeen. Sid looks so awkward. He's having a rough day. Yeah, that's pretty much all you pick up. He does not want to be in this room right now. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I'm gonna follow him. Sid winces. And then he leads you into this modestly appointed little room. There's like a cot in it, bits and bobs that very recognizably look like bric-a-brac that like Zed would have picked up, carved figurines and shit. And then Zed sits down on the cot in the middle of the room and just puts his head in his hands. So, um, uh, are we going to both talk freely now? Because I know that that's been a thing that hasn't been happening for the last couple weeks. Yep, 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 yep. Let's, yeah, we should have a serious discussion. And then he reaches up and undoes his hair from his ponytail and just says, Ugh. <laughs> So. I'm starting to realize that you gave up a lot by bringing me here. That's about all I've realized. So I feel like I should lead into the conversation with thank you. Because I know I haven't been super functional since Estremeth. I 
regret putting you in a bad situation, but also you may have saved all of our lives. So, genuinely, truly, thank you. He just sits back up and runs a hand back through his hair. It's, it's fine. She, she means well. And we have a pretty good relationship, usually. I just didn't leave on the best terms, you know? I've got a good bit of my own experience with ending things on bad terms, but if you don't want to talk about it, I'm not going to push you to. You saved all of our lives by bringing us here. You don't even owe us that, much less anything beyond it. Zed takes a very deep breath. Look, it just, uh... I was young and stupid. I got involved with someone that I really thought I could trust, and thought wanted the same things that I did. And that turned out to not be true. Yeah, and now your mom's pissed at all of us, right? So what happened before? She's not pissed at... <sighs> I have legendarily shitty taste in men. She knows this. And she knows that the last time I got involved with someone that he uh, took advantage of me in some really deep and personal ways and it didn't work out so great she's not pissed at everybody she's just very aware that I have a tendency to let people in that take advantage of me and she's worried that that's what's happening here. And she knows that I wouldn't tell her if it was. Leo flinches super hard and says, I wouldn't put that on you if I knew. I, I offered to go. I didn't want to make things hard for you. I'm sorry. No, it's... Okay, look... And then he scrubs a hand over his face, and he says, You know the version of me now. I'm 27 goddamn years old, I'm relatively stable, and we all know I like a drink now and then, but it doesn't go further. The last... The last guy I dated, I was 23, I was into some hard shit that put me in a really bad place and I I <laughs> I was losing hours at a time and I don't know all that went down in that time that I don't remember I know that he had some very specific ambitions and that I'm a big intimidating guy who's willing to do a lot for people this is not that situation. I know what I'm doing here. I just can't seem to convince my mother of that. 
Leo purses his lips, nods, and says, So, uh, this guy, uh, what, what, where does he live? Look, it's none of your business, and I don't want to risk him coming back into my life. So let's just drop it. I wasn't born yesterday, said, I can figure out that this person has already come back into your life by way of a knife in your back in the time that I've known you. So are we going to talk, or are we going to talk? Look, he has a lot of money and a lot of pull. And if I just keep my head down, then I can mostly stay out of the way. And that is all I'm looking to do here. So, uh, hitching your horse to my particular wagon probably didn't do you any favors, then, did it? Yeah, well, sometimes priorities change. Besides, don't give yourself too much credit, I'm very capable of getting into trouble on my own. Leo quietly snorts to himself and goes, (laughs) Yeah, I know you are, it's why we get along so well. (laughs) Zed laughs, slumps back down, and just puts his head back in his hands. Ugh, this sucks. Yeah, I I know it does. And I get that it's at least partially my fault that it sucks this bad, so... If there's anything I can do to make it suck less while we're hanging out here, just let me know, okay? Yeah, let's just get through the next... 48 hours and figure out what conditions are on me staying here. Sounds like the most detailed game plan any of us have had in the past month, at least. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, God. Sure does, huh? I'm sorry that I, I haven't been in the kind of shape I needed to be to make calls over the last couple weeks. I know that that wasn't what you signed up for. And it wasn't your job. I'm... I'm working on it. I thought I'd be doing better than this, but I guess not. Zed nods. And then he just gets to his feet and then claps you on the shoulder and says, Like I said, as someone with a lot of experience with hitting rock bottom, this ain't it. That scares me a hell of a lot more than it comforts me, but okay. He just shrugs. He says, yeah, I never said I was good at advice. And then he pushes past you back into the main room of the house. Uh, You have a relatively peaceful day. And then the next morning, a very stuffy, older orcish man comes by the house and has a conversation with Zed's mom. You can cast tongues if you want to. I've had a long rest at that point. Why not? So it's a conversation in orcish. Basically, it boils down to... This old man says, yeah, Zed's not supposed to be here. And his mom says that he and his companions are seeking asylum, that they won't be here for very long. And this old man basically says, Lynn, you know why he's not supposed to be here. And Zed's mom says, I've got a handle on it. And it boils down to Zed is not to leave his mother's house without being accompanied by her or Camila for the duration of your stay. What about the rest of us? So like Leo, Ravane, Mia. You guys are fine. He doesn't say anything about you. 
how long of a stay are we looking at? Because I I have thoughts. It seems like you can stay as long as you want. It's just kind of how long is it going to take you to get your shit together? And how long can Zed stand being stuck in his mom's house? I think the first thing Leo would do would be to approach Ravane like a day or two in. There are not a lot of places to get away from people <laughs> in Ms. Lynn Stonebloom's house. You can corner Ravane pretty easily. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to corner him, and it's not a conversation that needs to be had in private. But I feel like kind of as soon as he can, Leo approaches him and says, Hey, Ravane, um, I'm really sorry for all the shit I said after Estermuth. And I know that that doesn't fix anything, but um, I just wanted it on record. You caught Ravane leafing through his spell book, and he looks up at you, flips a page, looks back down and says, Apology noted. Everything you said, you were right. I made a promise, and some bad shit went down, and I tried to back out on it, which wasn't fair. So, if you'd like to go take a walk with me, maybe we can try a couple things, and I can try to take a couple steps towards fulfilling that promise, if you're interested, still. Well, I haven't really slept since that whole thing, so yeah, would love to get a handle on this, because I am currently doing a lot of caffeine so that I don't turn into a big mushroom man. Okay, so maybe we should uh, not be in town for this, yes? Yeah, historically, bad shit has happened when other people get too close if I am sleepwalking. Well, to be fair, you've already tried to kill me once and you didn't succeed, so my track record's pretty good. To be fair, you had backup when I did that. I think I can take you. Let's go. He looks like he's going to make a comment and then doesn't and just poses the book. And he just gets up and follows you. <laughs> so yeah, I'd like to take Ravane out into the woods beyond the monastery where nobody, hopefully, is going to interrupt us and potentially get hurt. And we're going to wait for nightfall. And I'm going to wait for him to go into a trance. And then as soon as that happens, I'm going to cast Detect Poison and Disease as a ritual. He starts to go into his trance. It's very strange to watch. You watch, like, the moonlight hit him in a weird way, and just suddenly little tiny mushroom heads start sprouting out of his skin. You see his fingernails lengthen and sharpen as you're sitting there. You do not detect any disease. You definitely detect poison. <laughs> The mushrooms can and will fuck you up, is what you're detecting. Okay, cool. I am going to try to get a hand on him in as non-threatening of a manner as possible, and cast Lesser Restoration. Remind me what Lesser Restoration does. You can touch a creature and end either one disease or one condition afflicting it. The condition can be blinded, deafened, paralyzed, or poisoned. So if it's a disease... I can cure it, or if it is one of those conditions, I can also cure it. You try to cast Lesser Restoration, there is no disease afflicting him. 
This is not an illness. It is just a condition that he operates under. And as you do that, you take three necrotic damage. Okay, well, that didn't feel good. So far, he hasn't done anything to you. By nature of being in proximity to him, you have taken damage from the mushrooms. (coughs) Okay, all right, so that didn't work. (coughs) Ugh, musty. Uh, Again, this is a touch range spell. I'm going to touch him and cast Remove Curse. Tell me what it does. All curses afflicting one creature or object end. If the object is a curse magic item, its curse remains, but the spell breaks its owner's attunement to the object so it can be removed or discarded. So essentially, if Ravain himself or anything he has on him is cursed, that's done. As you do that, you feel something magical bend under the spell is the best way I can phrase it. You feel like a magical force get hit with this spell and push back. You get the impression that you would need a stronger spell, but that you're on the right track. And you take one more necrotic damage. (laughs) Okay. Does it look like he's getting rest in this state? Yeah, as far as you know, he's still trancing. He hasn't gotten up. He's just kind of sitting there. His eyes are still closed. Long claws, long teeth, mushrooms. He's just kind of hanging. Okay, I'm going to move back a little bit so I'm not choking on mushroom dust anymore. The range is 10 feet for his halo of spores. Cool, I back up 10 feet so that that's not happening to me anymore. And I'm going to forego my own long rest to let him trance and get some rest. Right, so you're just staying out here all night? Yeah, he needs to sleep and I apparently can't help him otherwise because that was the strongest curative spell that i have so i'm just gonna make sure he doesn't wander off he trances for four hours he wakes up wakey wakey eggs and bakey there are no eggs and bakey i'm very sorry but i did figure out part of what's wrong with you he squints at you part of what's wrong with me the mushroom thing namely it's some kind of curse i'm not enough of a badass to solve it it really pains me to admit this But we're on the right track. It's a curse. We need to research curses for sure. Okay. Interesting. All right. I don't want to pry, Ravain, because that would be rude. But, um, did anybody in your family ever, like, piss off a hag? Or maybe make a god angry? Or perhaps strike... An ill-fated deal with a violin-wielding devil outside of Crossroads one night. You know, if you give me this information, it will make me much better equipped to help you, is the only thing. I wouldn't know. Everybody that could give me an answer on that one is dead, so. Well, that sounds like the answer of somebody that's probably definitely cursed. So, again, I think we're pursuing the right path of action here. This is more than we had yesterday. This is a win. So it's a win in that I still sleepwalk and turn into a mushroom man. And we still don't know why. But we know the genre of thing (laughs) that we're dealing with. 
Hey, Ravane, did you know what the genre of thing that you were dealing with was yesterday? Did you? I just want you to answer me honestly. Did you know what the genre of thing you were dealing with was yesterday? Well, I know a lot of things that it wasn't. Well, now you know what it is. Thank you, Leo, are the words that we're looking for. He sighs heavily and says, Thank you, Leo. You're very annoying. And just lays down on the ground. Oh, honey, I know. So, a little more time passes. Like I said, Zed is very cooped up in the house. I think you end up keeping him company a lot. Because he just can't fucking go anywhere. He's so bored. Well, and also, like, nobody here has probably seen anybody that looks like Leo before. I think all of you are relative oddities, but, like, Leo's really weird, and I think it's not a large group of people at this monastery. I think word gets around that you're very close to Zed, and things get a little weird when you're going out in public. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And we're staying with Lynn this entire time? Oh, yeah. How does she do with Leo? How is our relationship? She doesn't like him. (laughs) She's not mean, but she makes no secret of the fact that she does not like or trust Leo. You know what I mean? I'm fucking used to it at this point. I think things are very tense. They are tense enough that after breakfast one morning, you've been there for like a week and a half. Camila claps her hands and goes, Okay, so I know you guys needed a place to stay for a while. Is there something that we here could help with that would help you find young people get on your way? Or... Camila, you've been amazing. And it has been so nice hanging out with you the last couple weeks. Um, unless you have a way... To get me back to Australia and also give me an army. I don't have a next step. Zed? (laughs) Leo looks over at Zed very sharply. Zed looks up from his breakfast like, uh, hmm. We could nose around in the library, I guess. Wait, there's a library? Lynn heaves a deep sigh. Yeah, we have a lot of history archived. There's a lot of political upheaval in the continent every few decades. The Order stays out of it, and we keep the records. Leo perks up more than he has in the last couple weeks. Like, his ears perk up. He sits straight upright. He says, you're telling me there's a library archive of all of the things we might need to know to figure out our next steps going forward? Who do I need to talk to to get access to the most restricted files in that library? Camilla, like, raises a hand slowly. Uh, I'm a healer and a record keeper, so I have pretty universal access. Record keeper! Okay, Leo claps. Anybody that wants to go on a library trip with me... And Camila, right now, should come right now. Ravane, I feel like you might be interested in this. Zed, you definitely won't be. Mia, also probably not. Not on your life, sport. But Zed, like, perks up a little bit. He goes, I would love to go to the library. 
And Lynn says, since when? Zed says, since right now. Thank you. You guys all pack up. Everybody except Mia and Lynn is going to the library. Oh, God. Camila leads you up one of the winding paths through the monastery, back behind that big old public building in the middle of the square, through a side entrance. It's not a big library. You're used to very grand, expansive libraries. It's a couple rows. Very, I don't want to say small, so I'll say cozy. Bookshelves, scroll cases, very meticulously filed, but not super expansive. Leo's going to take two steps into this place and say, All right, great. Where's the card catalog? Camila says, The what? Camila, I love you so much. Don't fuck with me. I dated a librarian for 40 years. Where's the card catalog? Uh, we don't really... We just kind of... It's not really organized in that way. It's kind of organized chronologically. Great. Where's the librarian? Camila shrinks a little bit. She goes... We don't really, it's, it's kind of just everybody that is sort of in the healing arm of our order just sort of pulls double duty, as it were. I guess I'm the librarian. You guess you're the, okay, 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 okay. Astraria, um, Astrarian, is this ringing any bells? Could we pull any files? Camila, please help me out. I love you so much. You're so nice. So it just kind of pats you on the back and says, guess you're just going to have to start reading, huh? Leo sucks in a deep breath and goes, yeah, thank God I got plus three to intelligence, huh? (laughs) (laughs) What do I have to roll to make anything make sense? I'll let you roll investigation or history. My history is just so much better because of my noble background, so just give me a second. That's a 15 to history. Okay, so you will find what you're looking for eventually. (laughs) It takes a long time. This is a very tightly packed little archive room. I'm gonna enlist Ravain's help in this. I feel like he is also suited to this. Ravain actually is going to talk to Camilla and, like, pursue the line of thought of there is a healing arm to this monk order. Ravain is out of commission with the research for at least a week, I would say. Leo is also interested in the healing arm of this order, so I don't know how we're gonna split this up check-wise. Because I would like to equally distribute my interests between what this order knows about healing and what they know about history that I can use to get the hell out of here politically. Um, Those, I think, would be separate questions. The healing side of the order is something Camila is very familiar with and can just tell you about, whereas the history is something that she doesn't know anything about. Okay, I'd like to pursue that with Camila first. To put it in very short terms, Camila is a way of mercy monk. If you choose to look into this healing arm of this order, it's a lot about the flow of energy within the body and how that affects disease, how that affects how good you are at whatever physical task you are involved in, fighting, gardening, crafting, things like that. Camila tells you, like, straight out, there are people there who can raise the dead, but only in very limited circumstances. 
Fascinating. Okay. I need to know a limit to, like, what resources I can pursue while I am here, because I'm really into pursuing this, but I don't know what else I can follow up on, and I feel obligated to do whatever I can to help Ravain out while we're here. You get this healing kind of explained to you, and it's all about energy flows, putting people in tune with their body, and you think of Ravain's curse. If you bring it up to the healers, I think one of them just, like, lays hands on Ravain and says, mm, this would take some time to try to untangle, I think. Okay, noted. We're in agreement it's curse-based, Yes. This older monk just says, oh, absolutely. Uh, you can tell there's a certain energy signature to it and then doesn't elaborate on that. And Ravain just like with this old, old orc man's hands just on the sides of his head goes, huh, interesting. This is a very vulnerable position for me. Yeah, we're just uh, <laughs> we're just all in very vulnerable positions right now. <laughs> Aren't we, Ravain? Ravain says, I don't want to hear about your relationship drama. There is a large man whose hands are both on my head talking about curses, and I'm just trying to get my shit together. You know what? That's fair enough. And then I would like to put effort into the library. I would like to read everything I can. I would like to use whatever knowledge I have from being with a librarian for so long to possibly help me out with figuring out what can help me that's in here. It's going to take a long time because you rolled a 15 on that history check. It's going to take a while. A couple weeks pass just of you trying to make headway, trying to like make heads or tails of the filing in here and of like Ravain getting his curse untangled. And I think Zed helps you out a lot. Yeah, because he can leave if Camila's with us, right? Exactly. Yep. I think just for lack of anything better to do, Zed helps out in the library a lot. He doesn't seem that into it. He doesn't make as fast a progress as you do going through these texts. But he's helping. He's doing his best. <laughs> and I mean, like, Leo appreciates the company. Yeah. yeah, I feel like they have some nice moments in there of just research and yeah. Yeah. I think anything that Zed is looking through that he is noticing the word Ashraria, he just slides over to you. He's slowly making his way through things and just kind of keeping you company more than anything. <laughs> He's there for moral support. Ruvain stops going to the healing halls and starts trancing through the night. You don't notice any mushroom occurrences. You think that is as handled as it is going to be? If you talk to Ravain about it, he'll tell you it feels really weird. And he feels like there is a piece missing, but Mushroom Man does not rear his head. Okay, cool. What do I find out in these weeks digging through the library? I think you are there for, it is about a month of just researching. Because there are a lot of texts just shoved into this room. And a lot of it, it seems like there is a pretty coherent chronological filing system. But it also seems like a lot of things are misfiled. You eventually, in like an old, old, old historical text that like spells Astraria differently in a more archaic way, doesn't have a lot of the labels on lands. This old, old text just has most of the continent you're on labeled as Dowrier. 
as opposed to the like coastal sliver that you know was Darier now. And it has just little X's. There's one just north of where you are, where you know the present day city of Gimtarum is. And there are a couple more just dotted around, not really many on this continent, but one there, one far, far north, a couple on other continents. There are four of the same markings in Australia. It's hard to translate sort of the archaicness of the text. It seems to flip between what you know as modern day common and the wood elven language that Ravane speaks and what you know as modern day Asherian elvish. A lot of the passages seem to flip languages a lot. But from what you can tell, it is all about transportation. Okay, transportation. As somebody who has studied magical theory, I'd like to roll an arcana check on what I'm reading. Absolutely. That was a natural 20. Okay. So, you're looking through this. You notice what look to be arcane equations, like for wizardry. There's discussion of roots between some of these markings. You flip the page and there are like arrows dotted out. There are times stamped with these hypothetical roots, and they are way faster than any traditional mode of transportation that you are aware of. There's no way that anybody could be going this fast, not even with like a fly spell. It is near instantaneous travel between these markings. I would know that these are equations for essentially teleportation spells, right? You've never seen a teleportation spell that uses this equation, but it seems to have like bare bones similarities to teleportation spells that Soren has studied and that like you had to brush up on when you were studying at the Order of Iluna. And you put that together with the fact that the travel times between all of these markings are near instantaneous and they are all equivalent, no matter the distance between the places. As soon as Leo finds this, he slaps his hands down on the table and goes... It's a network. It's a teleportation network. It's a fucking teleportation network! And he just starts laughing, throws his head back and laughs. Zed looks up from his own book and goes, What are you talking about? Leo flips back the page to the map that has all of these markings on it and goes, This is a network of permanent teleportation circles. They're all interconnected. If we can figure out how to activate the network, I can go home. Where are these markings in Australia? There is one in the far north where you know nobody lives. There is one outside the modern-day city of Omagroth. There is one outside the modern-day city of Ilneus. And there is one almost directly on top of where you know Velental is. It's an interconnected network of teleportation circles, and one is right outside the capital of Australia. This, it, it, fuck, it all makes sense. We go through the network of teleportation circles. We have someone here that is highly skilled at taking out people in an efficient and subtle way. We hop through the network. We have Mia take out my father. 
It's done. Zed very softly says, just like that? Maybe not just like that, but as far as the Astrarian Consulate still thinks, we're still in Estremeth, right? I mean, that seems about right, yeah. So we get in, we put a knife in the old man's back, and all of this is done. Yeah. Wow. It's all over, just like that. Can I roll insight on Zed right now? Yes. That's a 26. Zed rolled an 11 on deception. He looks upset distinctly. He looks like he is trying to put up a good front of being extremely happy for you. But there's some sadness in there. Leo reaches up and gets him by the collar and then, like, hauls him outside of the library. Okay, so we've been here before on both of our parts. Are you going to talk to me? He just laughs a little bit and he says, I got nothing to talk about, boss. Zed, I haven't paid you in two months. Uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, (laughs) I'm just putting it on your bill, man. You always land on your feet eventually. Leo actually looks really deeply hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I do. Forget I said anything. I guess we're headed to Gimtarum after this. And, again, looking deeply, deeply hurt, Leo goes back inside the library, and I'm looking for Ravain now. You go back inside the library. This is a couple weeks after Ravain's whole mushroom debacle, so he is in there helping you research. You turn a corner and you find him very easily, poring over a book. Ravain, um... I have a really weird question for you that I can't ask in polite company, but I think you have an answer for me. That sounds upsetting. For you, I don't think it will be, actually. Can we just step outside? You step outside, um, you pass Zed in the doorway. He is just kind of walking back in. He doesn't really look at you as he does it. He just walks back in, sits back down at the table. I'm just taking Ravain outside and getting him as far from the general population as I can and saying, Okay, so, the whole thing is, I need to know where to find skeletons, and I went to the local church a little bit back and asked if I could borrow some, and they got really upset with me. So, do you know where all the good bones are around here? Because we're getting ready to ship out. I mean, yeah, I can find skeletons. There's skeletons for free all over in the woods. Where are we going? Oh, okay, so we have different approaches to this. Because usually in Australia, if you have a talent for necromancy, you can just go to the nearest church and ask for whatever person has donated their skeleton to the service of Kimrel, and you can just take the bones. Um, I tried that, and it didn't go so well for me here. Well, I've never been to a church, so I usually just get my skeletons from the ground. 
Well, I couldn't find any skeletons that I was allowed to use here, and I would like to have at least three before we roll out to Vogvaldor, because I've heard that shit there is fucked. Oh, so we're going to Vogvaldor. <laughs> that was the question that I asked and you neglected to answer. Okay, um, yeah, let's go in the woods and get some bones. I feel like this is going to be such a bonding activity for us. I mean, I'm always good to talk about bones. I enjoy bones. And then he, like, reaches up and scratches Sweetie's head. I would love to get some bones. I'm actually running short. I kept all of my bones in the tower. And if I had to go anywhere, which I usually didn't, Selica had a bag where I could put all of my bones. And now I don't have Selica or her bag for my bones. Bone bags are a thing. That's good to know. Let's go find some bones together. You go to find some bones. Roll investigation. 22. Does that mean I get my three skeletons for an anime dead? You find three relatively complete skeletons as you're going around. You find a goat that is like half buried, like it got slaughtered and then buried somewhere. You find a possum just kind of chilling out in some tree roots. And you find a mostly complete wolf skeleton. Okay, I find them in that order. Like I'm just putting the bones away that whole time. Yeah, it takes like a few hours, but you do find these three relatively complete skeletons. I'm going to stash the goat and possum skeletons just in whatever bag I have, just because those are relatively small animals. The wolf skeleton, though, I'm going to back up and go, uh, Hey, Ravain, just get out of the way for a second. I, I have an idea. I cast Animate Dead on the wolf skeleton. These bones leap into formation, and the skeleton wolf slowly gets to its feet. Hey, boy, come here. <laughs> come on. The wolf does the dog play bow. From its non-existent throat comes a ghostly roof. <gasps> Good boy, come here. Yeah, the wolf comes up on you. Leo pets its horrible bone head. <laughs> Leo scratches behind its non-existent ear on its skull and goes, I'm going to call you Dexter. Okay, Dexter the skeleton wolf. <laughs> yup. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> All right, I mean, I've got three. I can do three skeletons with this spell, so I'm pretty much good. I have 24 hours of animate dead. Dexter is my buddy <laughs> for the next 24 hours, so. We roll back to the house. Yeah, you open the door. Zed and his mom are sitting on a couch, obviously in deep conversation. You walk in and there is a brief pause. They both shut up immediately. Dexter the Bone Wolf walks in and Zed leaps to his feet and goes, holy shit. Hi. So, um, I don't know if Zed told you, Mrs. Stonebloom, we're going to be out of your house soon, which I know will make you super happy. At least as far as I'm concerned. This is Dexter. He's going to be coming with us. We're headed to Vogvoldor, like, tomorrow? Zed, still standing up, just like, hands up, goes, Oh, the skeleton dog is coming with us. <laughs> Great. Yeah, Dexter's a good boy, aren't you, buddy? <laughs> and Leo reaches down and pets the horrible skeleton dog on its horrible skeleton head. Lynn just kind of nods to herself and then stands up, claps her hands, dusts herself off and says, well, she claps Zed on the shoulder and then she taps at the side of his head and says, 
That thing never misses, huh, kid? And said to sighs so deeply. Do you have a problem with Dexter, Zed? <laughs> Zed still just hands up, goes, the, the, the skeleton dog, the dead dog? Do I have a problem with the dead dog that is now in my mom's house? He's a good boy, Zed. He's a dead boy, Leo. Is this the weirdest thing that's happened to you since you've met me? There is a long pause. And then Zed puts his hands down. Actually, no, that's a good point. Yeah, alright. <laughs> and then he just walks off to the kitchen. And I think Mia comes in then. And just immediately drops onto the floor. And says, oh, who's a good boy? Right? Isn't he precious? <laughs> oh, he's beautiful. <laughs> what a big boy. <laughs> Mia just has a grand old time <laughs> playing with your new bone dog. I think Lynn serves everybody dinner. She does that most nights because she cooks for a lot of people at once. Zed pointedly skips dinner. He goes to bed early. And I think the rest of you go to bed after dinner. What are the sleeping slash trancing arrangements like? Zed sleeps in his room, obviously. Lynn and Camila sleep in their room, obviously. There is a main room in this house where there is room to sleep or trance. What does Mia do? Does Mia sleep? Like, have we ever seen them sleep? No, as far as you know, Mia trances. Although it doesn't seem like normal trancing to you. It seems more like they're maybe just chilling out, but it looks like trancing, if that makes sense. Okay, weird. Um, yeah, so I feel like since we have three people in the house that trance rather than sleep, like Ravane and Mia and I probably just chill out in the living room. Leo stays up after Ravane and Mia go into their trance, just kind of sitting there in front of the fire with Dexter in his lap, petting his awful skeleton head. And he sits by himself and thinks to himself for a long time, and then in the wee hours of the morning, he's going to get up and, as quietly as he can, walk into Zed's room. You do that. Um, roll stealth. 17. Okay. You do not disturb Mia or Ravain. Go ahead and roll insight for me. 21. Yeah, he rolled a 2, so... The door creaks open, and you instantly know you have woken Zed. Leo just pauses in the doorway, as non-threateningly as possible, just kind of hands halfway up. Hey, um, sorry, I didn't mean to wake you. Zed slowly sits up in his bed. Runs a hand back through his hair, which is, like, loose around his shoulders. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm great. What's up? I, I, I just can't, um... I can't trance. My head won't shut up. You know, I couldn't think of anybody else to talk to. Alright. What do you need to talk about? I... I about how I'm tired, about how I'm sad, about how I'm pissed. What are you pissed about? 
Leo opens his mouth like he's going to say something and then freezes. And his whole body just shudders under the impact of a rage that he's been stomping down for probably years at this point. I'm pissed about everything. Are you kidding me? I have been pissed for 75 years. Sometimes I feel like pissed is all I even am anymore. I have lost everyone that's ever given a damn about me. My mother is dead. Soren hates me. I will never see Eleonora again. I have been so mad for so long, and now I am facing down, going home, and marching back over every bridge I ever burnt to get here, and finally getting what I want, and finally winning, and not having to be mad anymore. And I'm fucking terrified. Because what happens when I go home, and I win, and I get what I want, and I don't have to be mad anymore? What happens when all those burned bridges collapse behind me and I don't have anything left? He slowly gets to his feet. And he takes a couple steps across the room over to you. So he's standing in front of you. And he says, So you've got no one left, huh? Leo's jaw sets and his lips press into a super thin line, and he says, No one who I know where I stand with. No one who's not putting caring about me on a tab. Zed leans in and he kisses you on the mouth. (sighs) Leo gets his hands in his hair and he kisses him back super hard, like, fucking intense. This carries on for a second, and then Zed's hands come up, and they tangle in his hair, and they pull his head back. And then very quietly, Zed says, You need to get out of my room now. Why? Because if you don't, I'm going to do something stupid. Leo lets go of where his hands have been in Zed's hair and takes a step back. And his jaw sets even harder. And he nods slowly and goes, Something stupid. Okay. And then he turns around and he fucking leaves. The door shuts behind him. And that's where we're going to wrap up for this week. (laughs) Once again, I need to go lay down. Fucking hate it here. How does this keep getting worse? (laughs) (laughs) Gay people real. See you guys next time. (sighs) I'm compelled, duel. (laughs) 
Hey everybody, Barry here with the postscript, just clearing up a couple housekeeping things here at the end of the episode. As always, we are on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok at CompelledDuel. You can also find us on TikTok at Audios, where we post audio snippets from the show. We have a Q&A show that we do every Monday at 3 p.m. PST over on our YouTube channel. So if you head on over to YouTube and search Compelled Duel, you should be able to find us there. We'd love for you to come hang out with us. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, we ask that you consider pledging to our Patreon. You can find us on patreon.com slash compelledduel, and we have lots of cool perks, including priority for questions in the Q&A, access to exclusive playlists on our official Spotify account, and also the ability to get a letter from your favorite Compelled Duel character every month. If you're interested in helping us out in ways other than pledging to our Patreon, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, we ask that you drop us a rating and a review because that will help us get promoted to a wider listener base. And as always, word of mouth advertising helps us just so much more than anything else. So if you're enjoying the podcast, we just ask that you tell three friends about it. And if they enjoy it, ask them to tell three friends too. Our next episode is going to be going up on Friday, March 26th, 2021. If you are a member of our Patreon, it will be available to you on Thursday, March 25th. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you next time.